I know you don't need me to tell you this, but being stuck is no fun. A few years ago, my wife and I were attending a high school graduation over in Interlochen, Florida, and um, after the graduation, we stayed around for a while talking to some of the graduates, and uh, as we were heading out, my daughter asked me, hey, can you take my daughter, her daughter, uh, back home or to a friend's house in Keystone? And she said, well, yeah, we can do that. So we jumped in the car, and we headed to Keystone, and uh, as we were going, I asked my granddaughter, I said, so where are we taking you? She said, oh, I know where, I, I know where to go. And, and so we got to the first turn off, and she said, turn here, and I, we turned there. And then she said, turn the, the second time, and the second time was off of a paved road onto a, 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 a gravelly road. And um, then she said, one more turn right up here. Here it is, right here. And when I turned, when I went to turn, I looked, and it was a sand road. And I knew we were in trouble. We're sitting in a car that sits low to the ground, and sure enough, we sank in the stand, and we're stuck. Now, I don't like being stuck, period, but especially at 11 o'clock at night, someplace where I don't know where I am in the middle of nowhere with my wife and my granddaughter in the car. So I get out trying to survey the situation. I see headlights coming from a truck, and I'm immediately thinking, I know the Lord has sent this truck our way. And when the guy comes up, he rolls down the window. He says, I see you're stuck. And I said, well, yes, sir, I am. And expecting him to to say, hey, can I help you push or got a rope or chain? Or Instead, he looks over the situation. He says, well, um, okay, I hope everything works out for you. <laughs> Rolls down the window and leaves. It is no fun to be stuck. Well, obviously, I did get out, but that's another story. It's really, uh, we're, we're talking about that this week in this next series. Actually, for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about being unstuck. What we can learn about being unstuck, what we can learn about being stuck somewhere. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we feel stuck in different ways. Not, not just in a vehicle somewhere, not, not just in a truck in a bog, or not just in a car in a sandy place, but stuck in life. Maybe you feel stuck. Have, have, you, have you ever felt that way? Uh, stuck in a relationship that you just feel like is going nowhere? No matter how much you try to dig yourself out of it, you just can't quite. Maybe you're stuck in a job, in a career situation, and <clears throat> you're wondering if you even made the right selection. Maybe you're, you're, maybe you're stuck in your marriage. You feel stuck in marriage sometimes. You want to move forward. You want to move into new seasons, and you just can't quite do it. Maybe you're stuck in your spiritual life. That's a, that's a bad place to be. We just feel stuck in our Bible reading. You know, we're doing it out of road. We're doing it out of routine, but there's just nothing there. We just kind of feel stuck. We're in our prayer life. Maybe you're stuck in your church life. You know, you feel like, well, we're just stuck. We're not moving anywhere. Or maybe you're stuck in your relationship with Jesus, and you're thinking, man, I, I just don't know. I've got so many questions, and I, I don't feel the same things. I, I can't move like I want to move. I just feel stuck. Well, today we're starting a new series I think is going to help. We're calling it Unstuck because that's where we all want to be. We're going to be focusing for the next several weeks on an actual event that occurred in the history of Israel. It's recorded for us in our Old Testament. and It's an incredible, incredible event. And, and really, it teaches us so many principles and so many lessons about being stuck and what do we do when we're stuck. And to do that, we're going to show you where the nation of Israel is really stuck. Trapped might be another word we would use. I'm talking about that moment when the children of Israel come to the Red Sea. 
Now, in case you don't know the story or are not familiar with the account, <clears throat> let me catch you up to speed. The, slave, the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They've been captive to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and do everything at his command. <clears throat> they're slaving and they're calling out to God saying, God, you said you were going to give us a promised land. You said you were going to give us a land and a country of our own. But here we are stuck in Egypt. Well, God spoke to Moses, you may remember the story, and sent Moses to the Pharaoh, to the king, and said, let my people go. And it took some relenting, it took some work, because the the Pharaoh said, why should I let my slaves go? But after the hand of God's judgment came upon them, finally he relented and said, yes, go, you can leave. And so there was a mass exodus as Israel left uh, Egypt and headed toward the land of Canaan. Now, I don't know if you have a map handy, but you might take that map and you'll see that there was one major obstacle in the way, and that is how do we get around this huge sea that blocks the continents, that that blocks the land masses, and it's called the Red Sea. So they're moving in a direction that we would expect them to move, which has kind of a natural bridge around it and provides a way for them to go. The way that anyone would have gone, they're headed that direction and not really a surprise. But something happens. When they get to the Red Sea, they're blocked. And they need to cross this sea. How do we do it? Later in the the history of Israel, Asaph, a writer, wrote about this experience. He kind of summarized what happened in the 77th Psalm. Listen to what he wrote. He wrote, your way, that is God's way, your way went through the sea, that is the Red Sea. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast waters, but your footprints were unseen. In other words, we didn't understand everything that was happening. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. In other words, when they came to this place that they were stuck, they were surrounded literally. To the north of them were mountains that were going to be hard to go over. To the west of them were mountains that they couldn't go and the direction they couldn't go. To the south of them, the Pharaoh's army had changed their mind. Pharaoh changed his mind, and the army was coming after them. They got mountains to the north. They they got mountains to the west. They've got the Egyptian army coming from the south. The only way to move is east, but the Red Sea is blocking them. How are they going to get out of this mess? They are stuck. But fortunately, unlike my experience, unlike my experience of being stuck, God didn't say to them, well, good luck. Hope everything works out okay. He got involved in the process and made a way for them to pass through the Red Sea. He made a way for them to part Egypt and head on toward Canaan. God will always make a way for His children. So that's where we are. We're in this place, and where we want to pick up in this story is in Exodus chapter 13. In Exodus chapter 13, I'm picking up where the people are stuck, and they're wondering, what are we going to do? Now listen to what the Word of God says and follow along. I think we can draw some important principles from it. It says in verse 17, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, which was, by the way, the common road, the way everyone would go. It's now called the Via Maris, the way of the sea. It's the natural, shortest, easiest route to take from Egypt 
to the promised land. In fact, some say it would be no more than a 10 to 20 day journey that way. And yet, spoiler alert, we know that it took them 40 years to get there, right? God didn't lead them that easy way. God didn't lead them to that natural way. He didn't lead them the path that everyone else would take. In fact, it says, he did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So, Watch this. He led the people toward the Red Sea. Now, don't miss that. I'm coming back to that. That Notice that God led the people. He did not lead them one way. He did lead them another way. Sometimes we give Moses the credit, but really it is God who is leading through the hand and leadership of Moses. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. So the script is clear. God is leading them, and interestingly, he didn't choose the shortest route nor the easiest route, but we find as we read the story that it was the best route that he led them. Well, that resonates with us, doesn't it? Because God still does not always lead us the easiest route, nor the shortest route, nor the route that we think should be. But God leads us always on the best route. Pick up in verse 19. He says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath, saying, God will certainly come to your aid, and then you must take my bones with you from this place. So they set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and a pillar of fire to give them light at night so they could travel night or night day. So God had delivered them from Egypt, and now they must learn to trust him to deliver him in this wilderness experience. The key is in the cloud and the fire, right? That is symbolic of the presence of God. The presence of God is on this route, leading them, directing them. Verse 22 says, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. There it is. God never left them. No matter what the circumstances said, no matter how they feel, no matter how much they thought they were stuck, they were trapped in their situation, God never left them. And then we turn the page to chapter 14 and we read these words. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihaharoth between Migdol and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal facing it by the sea. So they're out of trouble. I'm sorry, they're out of Egypt, but they're not out of trouble. <laughs> they really are stuck. They really are here. God has said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm here. But what's going to happen? Now, we'll be looking at that in the weeks ahead. But let me draw a couple of truths. I think there's a couple of truths. I think there's many principles here, many truths that we're going to discover in the next couple of weeks or five weeks. But let me start with two in particular that I draw from this particular text and from this particular instance. The first thing I see is that there are some incredible truths and we need to pay attention. Number one, God means for you to be right where you are. I think that's pretty important. God means for you to be right where you are. When you're in a difficult situation, we need to stop and realize that the Lord has placed you there or allowed you to be there as a consequence of your own choices, perhaps. Perhaps for reasons known to us and perhaps not, but for reasons always known to Him. We need to understand that there are no mistakes in God's plan. As we follow God's plan, as we follow His direction, there are no mistakes. 
Uh, I, I found this incredible book years ago, and it helped, has helped me a lot. I've referred to it many times, and really we've referred to it in this series. It's called The Red Sea Rules by Robert Morgan. I want to read you a portion of this because it struck me as so important. It talks about Pastor Andrew Murray, a pastor in South Africa, a South African pastor who was having an extremely difficult time, who felt trapped, who felt abandoned, who felt a crisis burning down on him, bearing down on him, probably much like that of the Israelis on that day. He felt trapped to the north and to the west and to the south and to the east. And what do we do? And in that moment, he sat down, sat down and he penned these words. Listen to what he wrote. He said, first, he, that is God, brought me here. It is by his will that I'm in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Then, he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in the grace he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again how and when he knows. What great faith. And then he summarized it. Listen to this. I want to remember this. I want to pin this on my wall somewhere. I want to pin this on my computer screen. I, I want to remember it because he said, here's what he said in summary. Let me say I am here in this spot, right? That's what we're talking about. A certain place where God has put us, where God has allowed us to be. He says, I am in, let me say, I am here, one, by God's appointment, two, in his keeping, three, under his training, and four, for his time. Wow. If we could develop that attitude, it would help us immensely as we face these situations that give us stuck. Where you are doesn't make sense to us, but that doesn't mean it's not right. You might not understand it completely, but that does not mean it's not a better way. God means for you to be right where you are. Now, he doesn't want to leave you where you are, and he's not going to say to you, roll down the window, hey, good luck, hope everything works out for you. What he's going to say is, follow me. Second thing I want you to see, second truth from this that I think is important. God doesn't always lead us through the shortest way or even the easiest way, but he always leads us through the best way. Now, I already said that earlier, but I wanted to drive it home one more time. You see, the promise to carry the bones of Joseph uh, from Egypt to um, the promised land, I think, signifies a couple of things. It's a reminder that God is faithful to keep his word. He had promised uh, Joseph that he would have that done. But it also tells us that when God keeps his promise, he may not do it as quickly as we would like. This was years later, hundreds of years later, but God kept his promise. I can tell you that God's timing is usually not our timing. We like things done a lot quicker. We like things done a lot more with our understanding. But God doesn't always lead us the easiest way nor the fastest way. He always leads us the best way. So you say, Pastor Eddie, then why? Why is this the best way? Why is it the best way if it's not short, if it's not easy? Why? Because it's where God is leading God was saying, here I am. And actually, actually, the tense of the verb in the passage that we read indicates that God is continuing to lead, that God is continuing to go before us, that God is continuing to guide us in this journey. We see as we read on, and we'll see in the next few weeks, we'll, I will be able to unpack this. I'm giving you kind of an overview here, but we'll unpack it and show you that because he was leading them, his, or because they were following, because it's, it's the best way, the best road, because 
His presence was leading them because His presence was protecting them, because His presence was instructing them. We'll see all of that. And secondly, we can answer this question. When, God, when, when does God take us the long wilderness way, or why does He take us that long wilderness way? Because sometimes we're going to see it's necessary. Sometimes it's necessary. We don't like it. We wouldn't choose it, but sometimes it's necessary. It's because we learn a lot along the way, going the long way, going the more difficult way. As the Israelites took laps around the wilderness, they were learning all the time. It often serves to humble us. Sometimes we needed to go away that's going to humble us, to keep us meek and lowly in heart, as Jesus is described. In difficult paths and the detours and dead ends of life, we learn to trust God. So we're in for an exciting journey. We're in for an exciting journey the next five weeks as we look at this historical event and understand we are where we are, and God's not surprised, and He's right here with us, even if we feel stuck. In fact, I think the takeaway for today might be this. Sometimes we have to get stuck to move forward. I know that sounds a little odd. It sounds like an oxymoron, but sometimes we have to get stuck to move forward. It's amazing what happens to the children of Israel when they realize they're stuck. They realize they're trapped, but then they come to understand that God is with them and that God is guiding them. He has led them to this point, even leading them into this trap, because in delivering them, he has something far greater to show them, far greater to do in them, and far greater things to do through them. So, you may feel struck today, stuck today, I'm sorry. You, you may feel like you're all by yourself. You, you may feel like you're not moving anywhere. You may even be questioning your relationship with others or your relationship with God. You may be stuck today, but you're not alone. You're not alone. God is in this place waiting to speak to your heart, waiting for you to follow him. He says, this is the way I'm going. Will you follow me? You may be stuck, but God's ready to pull you out so that you can move on according to his way. Man, I am so glad. I am so, my heart sank that night when that man pulled down his window, said, hi, I see you're stuck, and then said, hope everything works out. Good luck. Rolled up the window and drove off. I'm so glad. God will never leave me in that place. So we look forward to being with you the next five weeks and talking to you more about what it means to be unstuck and move forward. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege to be here today and to speak to these folks. I am so glad, God, that you are faithful and you are always present and you never leave us to just hope things work out. But you are the great provider. You are our rescuer. You are our provider. You are our leader. And we can look to you and follow you into the right paths. Thank you, Lord. And we look forward to what you'll teach us in the coming weeks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.